Welcome to the Art Grind Podcast. This is a podcast run by artists for artists, where we talk about what it means to be one. My name's Sophia Kayafis. I'm Marshall Jones. And we're here with our producer. Tun Miai. We're three artists living and working in New York City. And this is being recorded on the fly. In between our many jobs and creative endeavors, we use this podcast to ground us in a space where there are so many ways to lose yourself. So join us. We have real conversations with artists we admire on the art grind. Hey, everybody. Uh, This is Sophia. I am here sitting in my apartment surrounded by uh, my paintings um, and my my art supplies, and I'm self-quarantining myself. And I'm with my my partner Christina. She's she's also painting here. She's making soup. Anyway, we we just want to wish you a uh, healthy time in this stressful moment. Uh, the city that never sleeps is being forced to take a mandatory nap time. It's kind of interesting. Um, but I think we should just you know don't panic. Take care of yourself. Drink plenty of fluids. Eat eat good food. Um, but just, just lean into your practice, you know, during this time. I don't think I even have to say it. It's just like, why not turn your damn phone off and lean into your, into doing what you do best, just making stuff and escaping reality (laughs) with, um, with your work thing. I think a lot of great work is going to be made right now over the next, you know, six months. Let's do it. All right. Signing off. Bye. Check, check. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Art Grind podcast. My name is Sophia Kayafis, and I'm here with Mr. Marshall Jones. I'm chewing. He's chewing some popcorn. It's stale. It's really good, though. It's still good. Cheddar, cheddar. We just spoke to this amazing artist named uh, Ali Benisader, who we didn't get his age, but he's born in Iran and moved here as a child. Twelve. When he was 12. And is making his career here in Brooklyn. And he just has such a history and a Not beautiful only that, way but of... now he's showing his paintings with, literally with, Heronius Bosch. Can you believe that? <laughs> what he said was so revealing about his process and... This is a process-heavy one. Like, we talked a lot about... Spiritual pragmatism. Yeah, he was... Uh, he was another one of those we didn't know before he came in. So didn't know what to expect. And it was like for two hours we were sort of in his, I think he calmed me down. Yeah. He has a really amazing He just has this real like Zen calm Zen. It's going to be okay. Yeah. It was a great interview. Um, I feel like he, he gave me a lot to think about working on this new, getting ready to do a new series of paintings, just a lot of good advice, a lot of one foot in front of the other. And I also really love the way he tackles a painting, Mm -hmm. goes in pure imagination, sees a little bit of it as making moves, sees a little bit of it as like this thing's growing and I'm facilitating its growth and it's going to teach me as I'm doing it. It's really an open way of thinking about it. And then when he's finished, he says he really just lets go of it. He has no ego or will for it. That's uh-huh. part. It's it's almost implicit of the process. 
-hmm. when it's done it's done it's time to move and it's I think that's really pure about the way he approaches a painting from beginning to end it makes great sense to me I love it yeah so guys listen up one of the best contemporary painters working today gave us two hours they were productive fucking two hours Lucas (laughs) isn't gonna have to edit a damn thing this is nice you have this view and everything. Got the view, lit some candles, got lit my plants candles. going. Yeah, plants living. <laughs> living plants. <laughs> Although I did throw away a bunch last week. I used to kill plants till I realized that each one needs like a certain timing that you need to water them. They all need their certain thing. They all, <laughs> yeah. They all have their own agenda. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a lesson, I suppose. <laughs> It's like paintings. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You you said you got to listen, and then you said just like paintings. I said like paintings. You got to listen to them. If you don't listen, I feel like um, I feel like earlier when I was painting, I was trying to like force my ideas into it, and it was like um, it was sort of like a fight, and slowly over time, like. I became friends. We became friends. And then when we become friends, it's like, you know, when they want to talk to you and when they don't want to talk to you, it's like anything else. So it's, so it's like, okay, you don't want to talk to me. I'll just go do something else, come back. Maybe you're ready. So it's like this game of, I named one of my paintings, the the game of taming, which, which you're trying to tame this wild thing you know um Uh, that you created actually interesting and you're trying to sort of make sense out of it understand it become friends with it listen to it um do you let it mold you hmm let it mold me well i don't know maybe maybe i mold it and it molds me a little bit like um like a meeting point somewhere in the middle at the end it's like you negotiate you go back and forth and maybe you end up somewhere in the middle and then you're like okay this is good Hmm. this works and then you're finished so so you chase that consciously and and does that ultimately end up with you having a conversation with your subconscious headspace hmm i guess I don't know. I guess I guess it comes a point where like you feel like you're you're you don't exist anymore. <laughs> so there's not even a conversation with yourself because you're not even there anymore. You're like, um, oh. hmm. it's kind of like you know that Corbet painting where he's in a studio with all his all the voices of yeah. the of the mm-hmm. critics and the whatever, and and I think it was Gustin who said that. Um, you know, when you're in a studio, you're in there with everybody and then slowly everybody starts to disappear and then hopefully you disappear. And then when you disappear, that's when you're making a good painting. Mm. And when he said that, that always makes me think of that Courbet painting. Mm. So I suppose that's what happens. Like you're, you're in the studio and you're, you know, all the voices are there of like your, your whatever, like your life, your family, the voices from the past, uh whatever and then once they like kind of go away and 
you're not you you're not there yourself anymore and it's just it's just the painting and you're just in the act of create creating something i think that's when time disappears and that's when like good things happen <laughs> what you're describing it just it sounds deeply spiritual to me oh yeah i mean i think making art is a spiritual act i mean you're creating something that didn't exist before so you're like bringing something into this world that wasn't there before and then uh other people will have to like deal with this thing for <laughs> hundreds of years you know mm. you're giving birth to something new that didn't exist before something that will outlive you it'll live through time it'll have conversations with hopefully hundreds and thousands of people and uh who knows what it'll do you know um i just saw a tintoretto show at dc and it was like wow oh, that's great it was just incredible you know um but it's like you know you look at you look at this from 500 years ago and it communicates to you you make it contemporary you make it fit into your life at the present time and do something for you it gives you something it's um i guess i kind of like seeing it from like a macro point of view and at times as humans like i feel like we're pretty ridiculous things <laughs> it's like you know you look at certain situations and you're like what are they doing and what for you know like what's the point mm -hmm. i mean so it's like this of course there's this back and forth of like you know i have two young kids you look at i look at them and i'm i'm in awe of like what they are you know they're like so innocent they're um the way they view the world the way they think about things the way they see everything everything to them is like magic <laughs> um and at some point i feel like maybe we lose that and then everything becomes more uh um i don't know like we we lose we lose that freedom maybe and um i don't know i think i guess you always want to kind of get back to where that freedom was when you're a kid you know and that's mm -hmm. why when you like when you have a good time and you laugh and you're happy i think that goes back to being a kid in a way does does making art make you happy um well I guess you go through phases of anger, happiness, frustration, uh totally losing control, gaining it back. So I think I think you go through the motion of all those things and at the end what you have yes, at the end what I have it makes me happy because I could look at it and see that all the things that I went through it it kind of went somewhere it gave me something it gave me it gave me an um a recording of where i went mm. and what i came back with in a way 
I, I would I, I always compare it to like a way like a like a way a shaman is where where they go into this place and then they come back with something oh, wow. like a treasure or something you know and I feel like it's it's similar to to that in a way because um you gotta dig I mean you guys know paint like making art is really 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 hard because you you have to like not only you have to be aware of everything but you also got to block everything out you got to go within yourself and you got to dig stuff out <laughs> and you got to make it work you know somehow this is a question i'm always wrestling with and because like the way that you're you're framing that going into yourself, mining things, bringing them to the surface. How do you know when a certain image is done? Because it feels like that process could go on forever. Sure, sure. I mean, in my case, like, um, so I just dive into the painting. Like, I don't have any references or any idea, like, what's going to happen. I just kind of, it's improvised. I just begin. So I go from a white canvas to a complete chaos and that complete chaos is so loud to me it's like there's just it's like it's like a unharmonized orchestra right. <laughs> so you're just like Free and then jazz. yeah and then so yeah, doesn't you, that make your paintings a musical composition yeah i mean that's that's how I, that's how i kind of see them too because like i actually hear the sounds from those things so i hear no notes and noises and then my job becomes um about trying to tune these things into each other, to have them find harmony, to have them have like a, I guess I think about it like as like air, like air that flows through them. And I'm trying to figure out ways to like unblock things that are that are in the way of that air having a flow throughout this whole thing. So there's there's air, there's sounds, there's there's all these things that I'm just I'm just trying to sort of make it harmonize make it have rhythm so as as i go these things become in tuned with each other and things start to work together and then when i know it's finished is when all that noise has disappeared so now it's just you have this thing that's active but it's not um chaotic i mean it is still chaotic but it has some kind of rhythm running through it that you know that it's like okay this thing is like active now it has a it's working it's, it has a life and, and it becomes alive like something i guess that's that's when it's finished it's when it's like okay now it's alive you know like you connected all these all these wires and things together and okay now it's now it's functioning now it's running now the energy is moving in there wow. um, is it like is it like putting order to the chaos is if the beginning is chaotic and you're finding that the air through order sure yeah it's exactly that i think of it as energy okay like fields of energy like the paintings are a field of energy and i don't think where my the border of my body ends i end you know i think i think i exist outside of that and um just because it's invisible, I don't think that like I'm also not there and there and there outside of myself. So I feel like that's what I meant by when you're in the studio, if you disappear, that's good because it means that 
you're not really thinking about you anymore. You're just like looking at the painting and you're just like trying to trying to see the next step in the painting and, and then the next step and then the next step. And then once you're like in that sort of rhythm, then you're not even like time doesn't exist. Your problems don't exist. <laughs> You know, nice. your children <laughs> next door, you know, like because my studio is right next to the next door to my home. Right. So I could hear my it's like they don't they're yelling, <laughs> doesn't it? You know, it's like it's like and, and this this I mean, you asked me if I had a story. I mean, I, I try to think about it, but I guess something's happened to me like maybe three or four times, which is like I can't explain it, but it's really strange. Um where I had an experience with certain paintings where like I couldn't hear the person, like say if I was with somebody, like they were talking to me and I couldn't hear them anymore. Like they just weren't there anymore. Mm. And like, I was just like locked, frozen. And like, I feel like something was happening. I don't know what, but something, some kind of communication was happening. Between who and who? Me and the painting. Um, so you're like, you're like at a museum with a friend and you can't hear them anymore. So like I went to the, one of them is like, I went to the Prado with, with my wife and, um, we went in like went right when they opened, <laughs> I just went, stood right in front of the Bosch painting, the garden of garden earthly of delight. That's the best. And she was just talking to me and I just didn't answer, I guess. <laughs> and then she went and saw the whole museum came back said something to me and I just didn't answer. And then she just went back to the hotel. Wow. Oh and, I just, God. and I, and I just felt like something was happening that I couldn't even like, I don't know. I just couldn't even hear her. So this has happened a couple of times. And, um, I guess you asked like, what is a great painting? And I suppose that's what a great painting does where it, like captures you to a point where you just don't know what else there is, <laughs> you know? Wow. It's like the power of, I mean, I don't think I've had that experience with anything else. I mean. It feels like your paintings are a celebration in some ways, like a celebration of that understanding that you just described. I like that. Yeah, sure. We've have we have a range of reactions on this podcast of people talking about their engagement with paintings, you know. Some of it's it's real cerebral, like that's how you paint a hand or whatever. And then some people I some on this show are pretty disinterested. They're like, you know, paintings really don't move me. I just like to do it. Mm. And that your story is one of the more powerful I've heard about actually locked in you know time disappeared in front of that painting is really strong i think that's why i like to paint you know it's um it's to go somewhere else like go i mean you read a great novel so you could become someone else you could see it through someone else's eyes you could become the other uh and and i think uh the reason why i like to paint is because i want to disappear <laughs> and and like sort of 
disappear, come back with something that tells me something I didn't know before. So it becomes like a companion in a way. Is it like a like a good friend or like an old friend that you lost and came back? Is it like a brother? Is it you? All those things. I think it's it's I, I, I kinda like to think of them as like a it's like a time machine, you know, <laughs> like because because you, you you create this stage where you have like certain people figures from the past meet certain figures from the present talking to some figures from the future wow. all in all in one place so it's like that's why i always say like my work is not about a particular time or event or place or country or whatever it's sort of um it's sort of a place where these figures it's like a meeting place i mean they're communicating with each other and i feel like um we do that perhaps I mean, you go see a Rembrandt, you're communicating with 500 years ago, in a way. And when you when you when you imagine something in the future, you're communicating with the future, and present is the present. So I think, um, yeah, like five seconds ago was the past, and now it's the present, and right, you know, 30 seconds from now is the future, and you know, so it's like, I don't know, I think about that a lot. This whole Time machine? Time, well, this idea of time, I suppose, you know, not being caught up in a particular time, but kind of uh, having, um, I don't know, like stepping out of it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, stepping out of it. It almost like there's less, it, it's almost like one culture in that view, too, just like sort of meeting everything from the past and future and learning from it in a way. Yeah. Hmm. What do you, what do you think the power of painting like that is in today's world? Do you think that it, it w could be a tool that maybe increases empathy or, or these type things? Like what's the, what's the reason for it? Well, I think especially now painting is quite important because you know, uh, we're meant to read things so fast now, like especially images with social media and inter internet. I feel like, I mean, I'm not one of those, I'm not against internet. Um, I think you could use it as a tool. I mean, but we don't have many things that like you could really contemplate on and just slow down a bit. I mean, I feel like I feel like everything is just like fast and quick and you could go from one thing to another. And I think, I think with paintings are one of the only things that we could sort of slow down a little bit and look at it for some time. And I mean, yes, you could look at a sunset also, but, um, I think, I think that like, It, ha it, it, it has something that, like, we, we really need at our t I mean, especially now <laughs> with all this fast information and um, too much, too much going on all at once and us being aware of it. Maybe there was always too much going on, but now there's eyes everywhere and we see it all. So then we become overwhelmed by it. Um, right. 
You know, I was talking to Marshall, and I, I kept saying he has this universal quality about his paintings. I feel like I really understand them. I feel like everyone feels like that. And thinking about this sensation I have when I'm looking at your works, multiple works, um, this feeling like I am a cup and your painting is the water. And it will fill the shape of me exactly how I meant it's meant to. Sure. But Marshall has a different cup and it fills his cup too. Right. So does so and so and so and so. And I'm I guess I'm wondering, do you also have a cup that you are pour are you pouring something specific? Sounds like Rumi, what you just said. <laughs> do you know Rumi? No. I don't know Rumi. He's like a he's like a fifteen no. 14th, 15th century Persian poet. Oh. He says stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got I to gotta do some reading on him now. <laughs> I feel crazy. <laughs> so, a cup. Um, I don't know. Um, sure, of course. Of course, you know, at the end, I'm saying things, yes. Um, but I don't think I, I don't think I prefer if somebody saw it one way or another, what I've mm. said. Mm. I think that, um, you know, if you listen to like a Chopin Nocturne, I mean, you different people will feel different things and they'll think different things and uh, you know I, I feel like you just say what you have to say and then you I've said I say it in the paintings basically you know what mm -hmm. I mean it's, it's, I feel like I, I, I can't verbalize it if I did maybe I would be in a different profession yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think that's what I was saying earlier it's hard to talk about the actual work because I feel like you say it in a visual way you know it's you say it or like if it's a musician you say it in the music and then you could just talk around what you did or what you were thinking maybe or whatever but um like I said I think I think I think standing in front of it not saying anything and just like letting it sort of unveil itself is what I what I would like for my the audience to do mm -hmm. like just try to be open to it and don't categorize it in your mind just like just let it speak to you to you directly that's so amazing that's beautiful I love that he's he feels like he's describing like something about some aspect of like <laughs> I keep bringing this back to religion but of what I love about the idea of Buddhism I don't know anything about Buddhism but I feel like Buddhism kind of is letting something move through you yeah. and like removing mm -hmm. your will yourself from the world in a way it has like no ego mm -hmm. and it seems like you're describing a release of your painting into the world with that well it's funny because one time I was I was like coming back on a flight and I was sitting next to a Buddhist monk, you know, and he, he was coming back from a retreat and I was so uh, curious. I wanted to like 
ask him, you know, I was asking him questions. We talked the whole way. I think it was from California to here. So it was like some hours. And, um, and then I was telling him about my paintings. And so we were going back and forth. And, and at the end, he was like, you know, like, I feel like you're more of a Buddhist than I am based huh. on what you described, mm. you know? Um, and I was like, wow. <laughs> Wow. I thought that was like, um, whoa. Yeah. So that was that was that was kind of nice. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> so walk us through your studio then, like a a day in the studio. What are your rituals? What does that look like? Yeah. What does it mean when they're not talking to you? <laughs> oh, those are bad days. <laughs> those are days where I'm like useless. I don't know what to do with myself, and I'm like, maybe I'll put this music on. Maybe I'll listen to this. Maybe I'll look at this book. Maybe, you know, you're just trying to like motivate yourself to like um, maybe open up a dialogue with the painting. But there's some days that, you know, none of that happens. And then you just do other stuff. Like you'll, I'll like, I don't know, read or um, go garden or something. I don't know. That's Uh, it. Because I, I have a hard time letting myself do that. Even if I'm not feeling it, I'll just paint for, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And you don't, you, you know, not to do that. I know not to, because I feel like, I feel like, um, it, for me, it's like counter counterproductive because, because I'm trying to bring out these things out of nothing, nothing, you know, it's just like in front of me, I have, this fragmentation of whatever that I put there, like chaotic things, and I'm seeing possibilities within them, many possibilities. But if I'm unsure about what to go after and it's not speaking to me, then I just won't do it. Because if I bring one thing out and it's the wrong thing, it'll like ruin the chance of something that's supposed to come out to come out. And I've learned that over time. Because, um, I mean, you know, whatever, like sometimes I'll just go for it and maybe it's not the one and then I'll destroy it and something else will come along. So a lot of that happens too. It's not like I'm always just sitting there waiting for some miracle to happen. Like I'll, I have to go for it, but, um, I think I have to, there has to be something like some part of it has to speak to me and tell me something, you know, like Mm. even if it's whatever, like paint the ground green. Ah, okay. Start with that and hopefully it'll go well. Sometimes it doesn't, but at least you, something, you did something and it spoke to you. Um, so yeah, so usually I get to the studio. I mean, I'm literally next door, so I, I could go back and forth, but like I go in the morning and I'm there till the afternoon, like late afternoon. Um, yeah, you you just have to show up, perhaps, yeah. and either something happens or it doesn't happen, but at least you showed up, and maybe you did other things that were also important, you know? Um, I'm interested in that initial burst that you're saying is chaos. Do you ever show, like, yeah. the first layer? Uh, people have seen it that's that been to the studio when it's been in progress, but... Um, I haven't shown it really because like I I work at one painting at a time and it doesn't leave my studio until 
it's um it has been finished it has sat there for like you know a couple of more months and i've made sure there's nothing else you know mm -hmm. between us <laughs> um nothing else for me to like add so you so, just work straight through on one till it's finished yeah and how, how long does that take uh depends on the size i mean uh, the larger works could take two months or two and a half months. Um, smaller works could take like a month or something. If you're in a situation where you feel like you've made a couple of bad, like the painting's moving in a direction you don't want to do, what what do you do? Oh, that happens all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's never like a perfect strategy. So it's, it always goes, it always goes there. It always goes the wrong way. And then I'll have to like bring it back, you know? And I think, I think all those are kind of part of the painting, like things come about that, um, you weren't planning. And I think those happy accidents are always part of, um, uh, the creation of the things that I make. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think they always take a, <laughs> cause it's like, I don't have a roadmap really. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going, Yeah. I'm just going and going and just sort of, um, improvising and, and trying to make it work and trying to make it work. And, and then, slowly they start to work somehow um but those wrong turns constantly happen because i have nothing to go by really you know it's just just like in intuitive gut reaction that tells me to do something and i just do it even even though it could not make any sense at all you know um and um yeah, that's how it ends up going. Like you, it feels like I, I wonder how important those wrong wrong turns are to the process because it feels as if like like you were saying and you know heading more digital and fractured realities and stuff and it feels like one of those things that we're doing is eliminating wrong turns through Google Maps or <laughs> questioning where Tom Petty was from, you know, we don't do that anymore because we just ask the yeah. phone. And it's like, it feels like so, in some ways I feel like we're losing a lot in that. And I wonder if your painting was just sort of perfect move, if it wouldn't have the life it has from taking a few steps back and pulling it, you know? Well, it's like that thing Picasso said. He said computers are stupid because they only give you answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, great. So it's like, yeah, in the paintings, you're not like trying to get answers. You're just asking questions all the way to the end. And at the end, you don't even, you know, there's no answer. It's like a bunch of moves you made equals what you have left, you know. Uh -huh. And at the end, I feel like maybe there isn't even like a right or wrong move that you made um it's more like you just made moves you know you, i love it uh, yeah that's pretty <laughs> you just like went for it and so you trusted you trusted you trusted yourself and you were confident enough to 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 make a move and then you countered that and then 
so on and so on and so on and so on. And then so at the end, I don't even know what happened. Like I don't the end result when I look at it, it's like a combination of so many different um moves that you've made that they've got layered over each other and they've created this this um final thing. Um so at the end I guess there's no right or wrong move, I suppose, because... I love it. You, you speak about your work with such a clear mind. Like, um, it's very pure. Like, from what I'm receiving is the message is so clear. Mm -hmm. I ask you about the painting, how you paint it, and it just, it exactly explains what this feeling is that I get from your paintings. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like... I think if I know what you're saying, yeah, you feel kind of remarkably unblocked and on. You're you're not really an egoist about this stuff. You're just sort of right going in front of something and having a pure experience with it, and that was your day. Yeah, and and I I wonder where where that level almost like the guy on the plane saying you see more Buddhist than he does. Where where mm -hmm. does that level of an enlightenment come from like what you know even when i'm painting there's times that i'm calm there's time that i'm like throwing the brush at the canvas because it's not giving me what i want and there's you know so there's of course you 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 have all these different levels to yourself mm -hmm. but i think um like i was saying earlier i feel like you you need like you need to also find like a quiet place within yourself to go to to feel like safe or or <laughs> um because the world could be so chaotic and mm -hmm. um uh caught up in stuff um yeah i don't know this is a art grind podcast a podcast where we describe the taste of water Marshall, why don't you kick us off here with, that's really, that's how it feels like for me. It's amazing. It's fucking trippy. Anyway. That's great. Uh, well, yeah, so we were talking about your life experience. Where did you grow up? Siblings, all this sort of thing. Uh, so I grew up in Iran. Um, uh, when I was three, there was a revolution that happened so the country completely changed to islamic okay uh wasn't before and then a year after that there was a eight years war with iraq that we lived through okay which at the time i guess i didn't really uh, i mean i grew up in it so i didn't really know any difference so it wasn't for me it wasn't um something I questioned, I suppose. I mean, it was just there and war was happening and, you know, there was air raids and explosions and, uh, you know, uh, windows breaking Whoa. and, you know, like bombs dropped in your school. You know, all, all, all the bad things that <laughs> come, come with war. Whoa. But meanwhile, um, 
meanwhile, I was always like making drawings, you know, okay. um, and I think it was like a way for me to try to like understand what was happening around me. Uh, and so in, in the, in, in our, in my building that I lived, when, when the air raids happen, you always have to like run down to the basement for cover. Um, and there was like, there was a kid who was my friend and me and him would draw together. And his older sister was an art teacher and she held classes uh, in the building downstairs. So, like, we would always go sit in her class oh, and wow. just draw. Wow. So, you know, I was I was making my drawings, but I was also kind of learning by whatever she was teaching. And it's funny because she actually, like, reached out to me, like, a couple of years ago. Wow. And she was like, I was your first teacher. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> um, so, basically, like... What happened was um, there was a there there was a revolution because for for a very long time there was the Pahlavi dynasty which was the Shah uh-huh. and and his father and it was kind of a secular I mean not too different from when Ataturk in Turkey you're Greek right mm-hmm. you love them uh, when Ataturk made Turk, modernized Turkey, it was similar. I mean, going back even, I think Iran was never so... um, I mean, they were religious, but it wasn't to a point that it became in 1979. Um, So, yeah, I mean, then it became sort of strict and uh, it became Islamic Republic of Iran um, and and then the, yeah and then there was the war with Iraq that lasted eight years and um, and after that we we moved to um, San Diego okay mm-hmm. uh, and how old were you when you moved to San Diego I was 12. So okay. we moved to San Diego from all places, um, which was like my idea of America was New York. And then we went to like suburb, which I didn't understand because Tehran is like New York, basically, you know. Um, so I had to get used to understanding that whole culture, understanding uh, America, understanding suburbs. And uh, so then, then I moved. Then later, we moved to Northern California. I moved to San Francisco, and um, I started to become friends with a group of graffiti artists there. Okay. Um, and San Francisco during that time in mid mid nineties, it was a very uh, happening place with graffiti art. It was like a like the golden age of graffiti art. Like imagine New York in the eighties, but the San Francisco in the mid-90s was like New York in the 80s. And you had people come from everywhere to San Francisco to do graffiti art. So it was kind of very interesting time to live there and do graffiti art and make friends with people from around the world and just do productions together and collaborate and exchange ideas. And at the same time, you know, 
make your own work too, like in the studio and also talk about those works. So it wasn't just like graffiti art. It was like all of these artists that I was friends with that were all kind of trying to also make their own personal art somehow. Um, so you, you were like out tagging buildings and things? Um, yeah, I did some of that, but I feel like I was more interested. I, was, I wasn't so interested in just like tagging or your name or letters or stuff like that. I was, I was always drawn more into like the graffiti artists who made work that somehow like um, uh, had an impact, you know, like Barry McGee. I don't know if you, Barry McGee, he's, he's this artist who like he would paint, uh, you know, San Francisco has a lot of homeless problem and and he would like paint the homeless on the walls or he would just point out socio-political things that were important so it wasn't just you know here's my name uh, so I, I was I was more drawn to these kind of artists and then <clears throat> and then I moved to New York in 2000 to go to art school okay um, what what school is that? School of Visual Arts. Oh, cool. And um, I think I think I had reached a point where I realized that all right, I've done enough experimentation on my own. Now now I want to go to school to kind of just learn things, you know. Um, and then right after School of Visual Arts, I went to New York Academy. Hmm. Graduated in two thousand was it six or seven and then I had a fellowship and yeah that's it that was the art career I mean art education <laughs> so were you were you was your family religious no my family was never religious um everyone everybody's pretty much agnostic okay um I mean my my grandmothers were maybe a little religious like they would pray and stuff but then my parents' generation were not religious. Hmm. Um, but, you know, in school, you had to sort of uh, do all these religious things where people did it because they had to, but they didn't really care to do it. Okay. Um, did you guys ever develop, a, like, an Iranian community, like Iranian-American community? Um, in California, there's a lot. So over there, yes, because um, like some of my family are there too. So over there, yes, but we never lived in Los Angeles where Tehran jealous is. <laughs> That's <laughs> what they call it. Um, <laughs> I do. I do prefer. I do prefer like New York to, because there's so much diversity, you know, and and like I feel like when I came to New York especially Brooklyn, where I am. Mm. Um, I mean, I like Manhattan, too, but um, <laughs> for the shows. Uh, I feel like there's a sense of community, and nobody questions what you are. You know, I mean, curious of where you come from, but it's, but it's so diverse that nobody stands out, really. And I, I think that's great, you know? So do you feel like you're, I don't know, some of the the 
rhythms in your paintings are influenced by by your culture? Uh, possibly. I I think I think it's probably a combination of. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a good question to to wonder if it. I mean, does it come through somehow? I mean, I think certain, certainly, like, um, your experience and what you've seen and all those things sort of come through. So I think consciously, I don't think I try to make anything that's... Um, this or that, but I think it does come out somehow. Certainly when I look at like Persian miniature paintings, I, I, I do feel like a connection with it. And I do see, I do see it somehow in my own work. Is a part of you like investigating that or not investigating that? Investigating? That overlap or that thing you feel like you share. With. Oh yeah, I like to, but yeah, sure. What are some th revelations you've had about that? Um, well, I think one is that in Persian miniature paintings, there, there, there's many different dimensions. You know, it's uh, it's 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 like a it's like a cubist painting in a way <laughs> because it's just flat, but it has all these different dimensions to it. So there's it's not on one level. It's like looking at looking at it from many different points of view so everything is just sitting on the surface you know like flat uh and um and i think <clears throat> the fact that it's everything is seen from a bird's eye view also mm. is mm -hmm. something that i'm interested in like a macro level of looking at things. So you're like looking at this scene and there's like... Like the Bosch you, too. Yeah, like the Bosch or Brog. I mean, I consider them miniature. They're miniaturists too, you know? Hmm. Like, Making uh, it really tiny, those little moments. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going back to what we were saying earlier that like it kind of, it takes you out of time. It takes you out and makes you look at it from like a... Uh, like a macro level of looking at things, you know, like from the bigger picture. Anastasia shares this quality. We just had her. She, she, we decided that her paintings might be existential realism, but she also includes these large, large areas of flattened space with many, many stories happening across them on a, on a field or a cloud or somewhere. And you, can zoom in and kind of get punched in the face with these little yeah. moments, these these symbols of what humanity means to her. Sure. Um, I think when I'm looking at your moments in your paintings of those those tiny moments, I always feel my own. I feel myself projecting on those characters. Oh yeah, I mean I, I think that's one thing that I'm super conscious of that like. How's, how 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 is the eye of the viewer moved through the painting, and you kind of imagine it, and that's what I was saying earlier about like air running through it or whatever. But almost also thinking about like 
directing the viewers, viewers' eyes. So there is this rhythm in the painting and the eyes move around and you set certain things in certain places to kind of like create like a pathway so this river could like run through it and the eyes could follow the direction of the river throughout mm. the painting. And then, and then it just like moves within itself and so on and so on and I so wish, on. I wish the listeners could see your, your hands as you're describing that. Because <laughs> kind of you can really feel like you're so in tune with those rhythms in your painting, even your Absolutely. hand doing that. Um, <laughs> Do you do you find is there a narrative in your paintings each specific one? No, I wouldn't say one narrative. I would say there's like stories within stories in a way. Um as your eyes sort of goes to a part of a painting, there could be a story there and then within it another story and hmm. so on. Um but I, I don't think there's like one story like i don't think you could look at a painting and say oh this is what it's about i can't say that myself right because because i know that different days i was thinking different things and i made different things to reflect those thoughts um and there they all are you know there's that there's this there's that but somehow they're also together they kind of saying something too um, but there's a multiplicity that's happening at once mm. in the paintings. Do you, do you have any stories like in your head while you're painting them that you're, or do you just hear sounds? Out? Well, there's sounds, but then, so there's sounds of the composition and colors and shapes and texture. So that's in an abstract sense. I'm thinking about it that way. But then when a when a when I'm developing a figure, then that figure has also a sound and it's mm. saying something. So then I know that I should bring this figure out because it's this sound is coming out of this figure. And mm. then the other figure have another sound. Um and was, what are these what are these sounds though? Are these like They're like notes in a way. Like Okay. Like you put one brush stroke down and it's a note. And then there's a counter to that. There's another note. And then mm. there's another note. And then there's another note. Um, so I, that's how, I mean, they're not like, they're not like soundtracks. They're not like music you would know, you know, I can't, it, it, they're like, it, they're, they have their own sounds and then they kind of um, connect together. And then they harmonize and they, the orchestra starts to sort of come together and, and all, this, all the layers mm. of different sounds over each other start to kind of make sense mm -hmm. after a while. Do you, like, in, like in, in terms of, like, synesthesia, do you hear, actually hear these sounds? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's describing the sounds. So it's like, and it's also in reverse. Like, I could either look at a visual thing and hear a sound or I could hear a good, say, I mean, it doesn't have to be music. It could be sound and it turns into a visual thing as well. So I could 
if I say if I listen to Chopin, for example, then there'll be like a parallel visual world that'll be going on hmm. at the same time. So music can really affect it. Music, but it could it could also be to. sound. Like you know, sometimes. I mean, this happened to me so many times. Like I'll go to a museum. And I'm like looking at a painting and then there's like, it could be a sound of anything. It could be like, I don't know, someone's making some, like, I don't know, there's con construction somewhere or there's like some people are walking or something. And like that sound, as I'm looking at a visual thing, will affect what I'm viewing in a way. Hmm. Um, yeah. Huh. Well, I wonder if even like, our audience, a lot of our audience wouldn't know what synesthesia is, right? Yeah, like, I was thinking that too. I didn't even know what it was <laughs> until, I mean, I always had it. I always, I was always aware of it. I actually, like, thought I would be a psychologist. I studied, I went to school to study psychology because... That's interesting. Because I was mm -hmm. interested in all these things. But um, I guess I kind of thought about it more... After I read uh, Kandinsky's book, you know, um, oh. about and he he kind of talks about that because I guess he had synesthesia and and I realized that that's what it is. It's oh my god! And you know, but you don't know because you think, oh, maybe it's everybody. It's the only way you know how to sees think. that or hears that. I don't huh. know. You know? Um, yeah, I do. I I definitely don't have that, and I'm jealous because it's like. It seems like such an asset for you as a painter to be able to design something off a whole, using a whole different set of s skills, you know, or tapped into something. I really found out about like paint, like, or trying to make a visual thing out of sound when, um, when I was at, when I was at school at New York Academy and. I started making these charcoal drawings based on sounds, sounds of explosions. Right. And they were, the way they were coming out were so much more like real to me than if I had um, like had researched references and had planned it. Cause that's, that's kind of how I was, you know, at school, that's how I was kind of working because I was just trying to understand how things work, you know, by doing anatomy and by, by, by painting still lives or drawing the figures and stuff like that. Cause you're trying to understand, um, how things work, but because I knew I was going to work out of my head always, I kind of wanted to internalize it. So then I'm able to like turn things and move things around in the, in, in the, in the composition because I understood it. Um, <clears throat> but once I kind of let go, let go of all of that and just like started to make work based on sounds, then, um, then it kind I don't know, I felt this sort of freedom hmm. and this sort, this sort of freedom, but also at the same time, I felt like, I felt like what I was getting back was more real than, anything else I had ever done. Wow. So it kind of like, it kind of like, it was like a moment where I realized that this is the way to do it.
for me, it made sense, you know? Oh, it sure um, does. I mean, your, your paintings click. are so beautiful. They're so Thank beautiful. you. Um, I have a, because a, 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 I'm fascinated by this. Do you, like, so when you were looking at the Bosch painting, was it a, a musical experience as well? Yeah, there was like, there was, there was a musical experience, but also like, I feel like I, like that place, like I know that place. Like, I feel like I know this place, hmm. like as if I knew, as if I knew if I was in his head and I was understanding why he did what, why he painted what he painted, what he meant by the things he painted. So there was, there was the acts, there was like an aspect of sound from the paintings, but then there was that aspect of like time mm. and really understanding like the message perhaps and, and that world, I don't know. Well, I it, would it was, love a painter to click with me like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was, and it happened to me again in in uh, in Vienna at the at the um, Grimaldi Gallery at the Academy of Fine Art there, where they have another painting of his, which is the Last Judgment. Mm -hmm. and it's like the same thing happened. Like it was on my birthday, and I was with my mom in Vienna. And I wanted to go for my birthday to see this painting, and we went in. Same thing happened. I just got locked. Wow. She got mad. She wanted to leave. <laughs> she left. Oh my God. <laughs> and, wow. then, and then I had to go find her later. I want to see this painting now. Is it, who is it by? The oh, Last Bosch. Judgment by Bosch. Hmm. I think I've seen those. I just want to make sure. Which, you know, it, it kind of sounds surreal, but I'm actually in September. I have a show. And it's like me and Bosch. Really? <laughs> and it's no like, way. and I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't believe it because it's, it's like that same painting. So it's like, it's like a show of that triptych and like uh, five of my paintings in one room. No way. Um, and it's called Bosch and Banny Sad. No <laughs> wow. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Um, so yeah, it's like the biggest well, honor for me. Wow. <laughs> it's incredible. He's always been one of the favorites of mine. Uh, when I went to the uh, Prado, I remember going for like the Velazquez's. Oh, yeah, those are great. But then just being overwhelmed by a Garden of Earthly Delight, like that was the one I looked at the most. And that changed the way that I started thinking about paintings for sure. Yeah. That's like, that museum must be my favorite museum, I think. I mean, they have the Bosch, Velasquez, Goya, Titian. It's like. So who do you look at currently, like current painters? Who do you like? Um, I quite like Neo Rausch. Yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like he's so inventive and he's always kind of um there's a world he creates and and I love that about his work it's just his world and um 
I like um, I like Dana Schutz a lot. Mm-hmm. Me too. And Chris O'Philly. Roush paints out of his head, essentially, right? He does, yeah. It's really impressive. Yeah. And they're, they're like, um, they're, the paintings are not, they're like not thin, you know? They've been built up and built oh. up. So it's like going back to that whole thing that like just begins and then it just kind of gets layered and layered and it goes here and it goes there and then it ends up somewhere. So I, 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 I like that aspect of his work a lot. Um, and I think uh, the other ones I like too, I mean, Dana Schutz and Chris O'Philly, I feel like it's the same thing. Like they, I'm not sure if it's planned, maybe it's planned somewhat, but then it goes where it goes. It like opens up to something else. So you have this way of using layers in your work, opacity, translucency, wondering, if you're thinking about capturing time in this way, are you interested in showing that? Yeah, I, I guess because I like things to not be static and have motion. Mm-hmm. I like them to have this feeling of like movement. Although they're, although you do see like a figure there, I like for you to like for it to also like be transforming into something else. I think that's something that I'm really interested in. Where Hmm. Something is in the middle of transformation, like uh, like a figure is turning into a energy or plant, or a bird is turning into ether, or hmm. or um, so it, it. You'll see in in the work you'll see like many different. They're not all on the same level as far as like how much I've developed them, you know. Um, something, one thing that I struggle with is when, when I'm like holding on to something that I like in a painting, like maybe it's, it could be as simple as this. Like I like the way I painted the hand, but maybe it doesn't look right with the body or something. And so it's like. I'm reluctant to change the hand if I like the way it was painted, but then it almost feels like it holds the whole painting up, you know? Yeah, in my case, I feel like I always have to destroy that thing. Did that just go for it? Yeah. Uh-huh. There's been so many times that once you get attached to something and then you try to build everything around it and everything wants to go somewhere else and that thing is just in the way uh-huh. and and you're like, wow, but this is the best part. And then, and then you just have, I don't know. It's like, then you just have to kill it. And then, and then everything works and everything mm. starts to function. So I, in my case, I feel like that's happened many times where I've learned not to become attached to something that I feel like it's the best part because mm. it affects the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not in rhythm with the whole, then it has to go. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, that's great advice. Tune with that is such a incredible experience. Well, like one way to do it is like to turn your canvas around for like a week or something and then you turn it back with fresh eyes and if that one thing jumps out at you, then you know, all right. You got to go, my yeah. friend. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe in another painting <laughs> you show up, but 
So um, that that's how you decide if it if it pulls too much of your instant interest. Is that one of the? Yeah, because then it it's it's taking away from the whole. Taking away from the whole. And it's 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 kind of stopping the composition from the rhythm from the whole thing. So. Um, Man, but I think I don't know. I almost feel like that's uh that's an internal lesson we could all learn. Like when when I was saying, you feel there's something sort of egoless about you. Just the short time I've known you. It's like, it it feels like that willingness to just take something out or knowing what the whole actually is. The whole is not just a series of well-painted hands that don't fit. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Everyone has, everyone has their path, right? I mean, they just have to see the path. Do you feel that when your paintings are finished, they kind of um, say that? That they found their path at the end. Mm. Yeah. They I do. think they do too. I think that's why your work's so compelling because it works so, like they feel complete. Yeah. And that was my earlier question. How do you know when it's done? When, I mean, for me, it's sort of done when the eye looks like the eye type thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you know when that's done? It's like a level of sensitivity that it's, it's, it seems like that's almost the job of your painting is to have that sensitivity, right? Right. But you saying an eye is an eye, like I, I guess the question would be like, is the eye an eye that everybody sees or is the eye an eye that you see? Only mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. no one else. And to you, it means I. You know what I mean? Like, I think... I think that like there's own like we all have like our own unique way the way we think and see things and I think specificity with 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 art it's a way of showing like your unique way of seeing things and mm. you know how you how you think and see the world you only and no one else I think it's the that's what you that's the thing to share with others. You know, like, this is the way I see an eye. I love it. That's so good. This is what the eye means to me. And based on my past experience or whatever, like, that to me is an eye. Right? That's so good. You're amazing. You better start donating, listeners. <laughs> I cannot believe this. Yeah, and, and part of me is like, okay, I have you here, an artist I greatly admire, and I'm about to start a new series. I just had a show. So what is one piece of advice you would give me starting a new series? Um, I think one, I would say to like, um, not be afraid to letting it go wherever it wants to go. And, um, and two, like really trusting yourself. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Do you have, do you have trouble trusting yourself? 
Well, at times you feel confident and you feel good, and at times you feel lost. And but I think um, I think at the end, like you kind of you have to trust yourself because you got yourself into this thing and you got to get out of it. So it's like, it's like, it's like what I was saying, like, I, I don't have hmm. a roadmap. I'm just going and you're, you have to keep going to find your way out or make sense out of it or fix it or whatever it is. And I think, I think at the end, that's all you have. It's like, you have to trust yourself to figure it out. <laughs> Such good advice, but it also kind of like scares me in a way. <laughs> but that's good, you know. It's good to it's good to it's good to dive into the abyss. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you don't, then I don't know. You're you so won't know what's in there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and I I mean by by. But what I mean by that is like the abyss could be like your own psyche, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like painting helps you understand yourself better? Um, all that time alone contemplating your own choices, right? I think I think we're quite complex. And I think um, there's levels of getting to know yourself. But I feel like um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you could fully understand like who you are, really. Mm. Uh, I think um, I think that the paintings are definitely like a it's a dialogue, right? And and they kind of create that space for you to be able to have that conversation with yourself and with something else you've created. Um, but at the end, like... Uh, yeah, I think the paintings are quite complex and you're quite complex so I feel like maybe you reached a certain point or there's a there's a certain understanding but then there's so much more that maybe you don't know and maybe mm. you'll know more later you know like I, I could look at some of my older paintings like I just had this show where uh in Holland where where I could see I was able to see my paintings from like 10 years ago that I hadn't seen hmm. in a museum show. And um, it was just so strange seeing them, you know, because I was like, wow, the place I was then, what I was thinking then, the decisions I made, how it felt. It was quite strange, you know, to like have something from 10 years ago right next to something I made like couple weeks ago That's so and, and, and to be able to kind of um, see how it's changed see all the decisions you've made from then till now in order to reach where you are how did it go from there to here you know 
Um, so it was, it was like quite, quite, um, it was like a, it was like a good thing to see, to be able to, you know. I want to know, what did you think about those, the older paintings? Did you have regrets or special fondness for them or? No regrets. Cause I feel like, um, that's the best I could do then. Mm-hmm. And I can't do them now, even if I wanted to. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So they, it's kind of like, you know, they're just like a slice of uh, your history that are just sitting there on, on the walls. I love that. Um, Did they bring back like specific memories? Like if you saw a passage in a painting where you're like, oh, yeah. I know where I was. When yeah, because you're like, oh, I made that decision. I remember I made that decision because whatever. And you remember where you were. You remember where you were in your life, where you were physically, like what studio, which studio space you were in, what you were reading, what you were thinking, wow. what was happening in your life, um, what uh, techniques you had come up with in order for you to make that thing that you were making. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it all... It was all quite useful. That's so great. All these realizations that you're having about your work, looking back, kind of reflecting on it. I'm imagining this happened recently that you started yeah. doing that. Do you feel like it's given you actually like a direction for where to go next? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you, you had a pause for a moment. It gives you a pause and it makes you think about, contemplate about what you've done and... And then possibly like where you want to take it next. Um, so it's good. Yeah. It's like. Do it's, you feel overwhelmed by those options? No, because it's step by step, you know. Mm. It's hmm. like, it's like when I finish this painting, I'll know what to do with the next painting. So it's not like I kind of think about, you know, the next five paintings. Uh-huh. It's like I think about just the next painting. Right. Hmm. You know, first finish this painting. And then what's the next? And, and, and that's how that's how like that's how it's developed over time. You know, like I sure. I was never one to say, OK, like now I'm going to completely start, you know, doing this now, because I feel like for me, like something has to tell you what to do next. So like if I've, I'm doing this painting while I'm doing it, it's almost finishing. I'm already kind of like thinking about the next one and what I would like to explore in the next one that mm-hmm. some things I've done in this painting, I would like to explore further in the next painting. And then maybe in that painting, something else I want. So it's like, it's like step by step leading you somewhere. Thank you so much. for. Thank you so oh, much. Thank for you coming. for having me. This is excellent. Yeah. Do you think ultramarine blue is a warm or cool color? Well, it's funny you ask that because there's an inside joke between me and my friend Brian Drury uh. where it's been an ongoing debate between us. Cause this color? This no color. Way. Because I say it's warm. He uh-huh. says it's cool. Uh-huh. I say, how could it be warm? It leans towards red. <laughs> I say it, it is warm. You say it's warm. Oh, man. <laughs> the good old lapis lazuli. He used to be the most expensive color. 
That's right. And and I heard the reason they call it ultramarine is not because marine being blue. It's because you had to travel across the sea the to get it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Hey, lovely, talented, beautiful listeners of ours. Can't believe you made it to the end of the episode. Listen, we want to ask you for your money, okay? Go to Patreon because this is a sinking ship, okay? We need your help. (laughs) We really need your help. So every dollar counts. See what you can do, and we'll see what we can do for you.